We have been, for those who are visitors among us, I got a bit paranoid there because I invited Scott family and I got Lily Clodin and I got Jack's birthday and I got all the people coming home. If you've just come in off the street, you're in the hotel next door or you've heard about us and you're very welcome too. I felt I've uh, left the visitors out this morning. But as we welcome you in this um, wonderful Sunday, we want to tell you what we've been doing. During Lent, we've been looking at not the seven deadly sins, we've kind of disguised them and veiled them in seven enemies to free souls. The things that might ensnare us from living the full potential of our Christian lives. And you're unfortunate if you're a visitor today, you've missed lust, we've done it, it's over. Uh, well, sadly, probably not over, but you know what I'm saying. Gluttony's done, all those things. But what, what I left for today um, was this deadly sin or... Um, enemy to a free soul which was anger because there was something I feel of um, the opposite of anger which is patience and forgiveness that when you play those three things together you maybe find something of the mystery the great mystery of these last three days and some of my readings around this subject I found this phrase and I can't remember where it came from or I would tell you where it came from because it's a great phrase anger is there to sabotage our patience anger is there to sabotage our patience patience is the way that God would want us to live but anger comes and as we said actually on Friday night we become as Peter was in the garden reactionary rather than revolutionary. I uh, was really moved by Philip's readings of chapters 14 and 15 on Friday night. There were things that came out of the text because Philip doesn't read it because he walks around and tells us it that really opened up for me. And the Peter story really resonated with me. I'll not let you down. I'm giant. Get them. As a Balamina man with farmers in school, you can kind of relate to those kinds of characters. They weren't going to... And then we find that the pressures that cloud in on him, that uh, he does a, that betrayal in the garden, the cock crowing twice, and all of that stuff going down. And there's this moment uh, where we assume it maybe in another text, should have looked that one up, where Peter might have been the guy who cut off the ear of the high priest. It was anger. It was reactionary. It was in the heat of the moment. And it missed all that Jesus had been teaching him about the different kind of kingship and kingdom and power and rule. Anger sabotages our patience. In your anger, do not sin. Ephesians 4 and 26. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. It's good advice. You've been there. Don't let the sun go down. Clear it as quick as you can because the longer that anger sabotages our patience, the less patience we have and the more friction that there is in our lives and in the world around us. Or if we skip to verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice 
The opposite of that in chapter 4 of Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God therefore as dearly loved children. And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you see where I'm beginning to pull in this final enemy to a free soul? To do with who God is. What God has done for us. Particularly over this weekend. Anger distorts God's purposes. It thwarts free souls from fulfilling their potential. It seems to me that if we look at who we are as human beings, and I hope this comes through over the last 18 months of uh, my teaching here, that our souls are made for connection. This morning, we welcome Amelie Rose into connection. It's not some sacrament that we could have done without, first of all, her parents, then her brother, her family, and the wider spiritual family. We believe that there's community. We believe that community is important. How close we've got to community, well, that's up for a lot of questions, I guess. But we're trying to make those first steps towards being connected to one another. If you think right back to the beginning, made in our image, there's community even in the Godhead, and that we were made in the image of God always to have connection and community. It's not good for man to be alone. Right from the start, there's this sense of something about connection. Free souls are about us connecting in relationships that are able to survive without all of the war and injustice that goes on in a fallen world. So we're made to be in connection. We're made to be in community. And anger breaks that. When we lose our temper. When we go off the handle. When we respond to something that might. In all intents and purposes. And I hope that soon we will get down to that righteous anger. Which um, held in the resurrection people of God. Can be something that, that, that is used for a positive nature. But I'm thinking at the minute of this anger that would be a deadly sin, this anger that would be an enemy to free souls, the bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander of Ephesians chapter 4. It breaks community. It breaks maybe one relationship that in turn puts pressure on other relationships. When we need patience and ultimately forgiveness, anger could be the very thing that would stop us from fulfilling the potential of kingdom people. Patience. Forgiveness. And let me put that into these events that we remember over Easter weekend. The best, most inspired explanation of this Easter must be Paul in Romans chapter 3. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Now listen to this. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, because in his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, and I love these words, so as to be the just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Something of God's patience is being played out so that his anger against sinfulness is dealt with in his patience and therefore we can find forgiveness in how God acts towards us in Jesus. God's anger, overcome by patience and forgiveness, leads to restored relationships. If God had been a reactionary, we would have had no hope. But with a patient God who's slow to anger and abounding in love as we hear through the Psalms and through the scriptures, we find a God who can restore relationships mysteriously in the events of Good Friday and into Resurrection Sunday. God is about restoring connection and community. And the gifts for that are patience and forgiveness. At the heart of our community in Fitzroy, we need to find patience. Oh, let me tell you, the longer Stockman stays, the more patience you're going to need. But as I read the scriptures and it says all have sinned, it seems the longer Stockman stays, the more patience he's going to need. Because we're all in this together. And the enemy to the fulfillment of our individual lives and our life as a community will depend on whether anger sabotages our patience and doesn't allow us to forgive. Now let me come out of that to resurrection. And let me finish. Scary word for Presbyterians. Did you hear that word finish? Paul mentions it halfway through the book of Philippians. So don't get excited. Resurrection is not some proof of Jesus' credentials. Though it might be. It might be good in our apologetics to be able to say Jesus rose from the dead, which is some kind of proof that he is the son of God. Yes, it might be that, but it's not just that. It's not even a proof that we have hope and that death has lost its sting and in the way of resurrection, we can stand at a grave and say, well, I am the resurrection and the life, therefore we have hope, either at cremation or at the grave. It is that, but not just that. It seems there's something far more going on here in this resurrection. 
that everything from Friday has suddenly been transformed this morning. Now, we're Northern Ireland evangelicals and we spend a lot of time around the cross. In fact, we're not very keen to get away from the cross. We'd like to just hang in there and not move very far from it. But it seems to me that we were to leave the cross behind, even as the symbol of baptism that we've just had. We've died on Good Friday. We don't hang around there. We come out of the tomb as resurrection people to move on from there. And perhaps in our thinking, we haven't given enough thought to what went on in this resurrection. Now, in the midst of all, again in my reading, <clears throat> I turned up a sermon of N.T. or Tom Wright's, depending if you're, if you're intelligent, N.T. If you're like me, I like to call him Tom, because I'm not that intelligent. But anyway, N.T. Tom Wright, whatever way he wants to um, sell his books, I guess. I came across one of his sermons, and that led me back to one of his books, which was actually a transcript of the sermon. That happens. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure the writers amongst us have done that. But what Tom Wright's doing here in the resurrection is really fascinating because what he does is he takes us into Luke's account of the resurrection and particularly the story of those two believers walking to Emmaus and Jesus meeting them on the road. And he gets inside this story and actually would believe that this was a a married couple, Mary and Cleopatra, actually, somebody else that Wright talks about has named them. And this married couple, in some ways, is like the new beginning on Resurrection Day, taking us back to the garden when that first couple sinned. And where he joins it, marvelously and wonderfully, I don't think it's too contrived, is in that moment where, in the Garden of Eden, when when Adam and Eve sinned, and it says their eyes were open. They went and got themselves a few fig leaves and various other things. Their eyes were open to what they'd done. Their eyes were open to this world, this, the sin that's going on around them. Well, what happens in the road to a mess when Jesus breaks the bread? Their eyes are open. And Wright would suggest that the word is very, they're very, very closely linked. And suddenly, post Good Friday, Jesus risen from the tomb. Here is the mark of the new way opened up on Easter Sunday he is risen Jesus is alive walking out of the tomb for a new people who are resurrection people people who have been given let me quote um, right in this we become part of the vanguard for God's project of restoring the world in which his image bearers Take his forgiving love and wise ordering that is his kingdom to the whole creation. The resurrection stumps us as a vanguard for God's project of restoring the world. It's not the same. I put something up on Facebook, as you do, and our youth leader came up and responded, as he does. But it was an interesting response today. Because I was talking about Mary. I'd always love to know, how did Mary feel? You know, she comes there and she's looking for the body of Jesus to anoint Jesus. She can't find the body and she's all confused. And then suddenly she looks at this gardener um, uh, and she looks again and she looks again. And what's going on in her head? There's confusion. 
there's, I can't really believe this. And then there becomes belief. Now what Chris pointed out was, was she thinking at that moment of belief, oh great, we can get back to how it was on Friday. Because we can't. Because Friday's gone. Sunday's coming. Neil has quoted Campolo. And we come out of this tomb with everything different. We don't go back to the same dreams of Jesus that the disciples had when they thought, oh, he's going to rule over the Romans and now he's dead. We're not going back to the same dreams. We come out with a little bit more enlightenment because the eyes have been opened to the donkey, to the washing the feet, to the patience, to the forgiveness. To the servant king. To the sacrifice. Nothing will be the same again. We are not only the beneficiaries to this cross and resurrection. We are now its ambassadors and witnesses. And we go to tell the world. That the creation story that was marred is being restored and it's already stamped as new. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing in his sufferings because Paul's eyes were enlightened to this new order and he became an ambassador and a witness. To a new day that's dawned this morning. We are resurrection people. And we can fight the enemies of a free soul. In order that as a community, we can reveal in our community all the potential of what it is to be followers of this Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, forgive us when we come to Easter as always or as usual. When actually it can become just a holiday for us too. When actually it's maybe more important to get a break than it is to ponder these amazing stories of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to see what is happening this morning. That this is a brand new beginning in this resurrection. That we can become resurrection people. Coming out of the tomb with not only death defeated, but sin defeated. With the things that had us in chains defeated. So that we may become a people who reveal as ambassadors and witnesses this new order. In our own lives, Lord, as we deal with anger in ways that the world don't deal with anger. As we bring this patience and forgiveness of the kingdom And then as a community, Lord, 
as we try to break into the anger that has caused the injustice, the death, the mayhem. Lord, take us out into this world as resurrection people, revealing in the way we live different ways to connect and commune. And then being given the right because of that to talk about it. Lord, we pray that we would see everything else, as Paul talked about it, as rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing these mysteries, of at least getting hints and clues about these mysteries in our own little minds that can't comprehend it all. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And then yearning and straining to get to know the power of this resurrection and to share in his sufferings as we become like him. Lord, help us to be imitators of God. Help us to be followers of Jesus. Take us out to be resurrection people. Because it's in this Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing triumphantly of resurrection in our last two songs. I give it to the band.
Senhor.